Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Santa H., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater for today. Today is Monday, June 20th, 2016. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 73, first paragraph that begins with, more than most people, the alcoholic leads a double life. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Dennis M., the 12 Traditions, Lydia S., and reading the literature today are Carrie P., Chrissy G., and Deb W. The share ID for Sunday, January 19, 2016, our special edition meeting titled Are Your Beliefs About This Program True? by Barbara A. is 8843. 8843. OA Preamble. OA Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 t- traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask, Dennis M., please read the 12 steps. Well, good morning to you, Santa, and everyone. My name is Janice M., and I'm a very grateful, um, com- recovered, compulsive overeater. These are the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power <clears throat> greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven humbly asked him, to remove our shortcomings. Eight made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 
11 saw through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. And thank you, Janice M. And now I will ask Lydia S. to please read the 12 traditions, please. Thank you, Santa, for taking the meeting. Good morning, everyone. It's Lydia, compulsive eater in recovery in Texas. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous 1, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is one, but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as God may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse finance or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of our program, always ensuring principles before personalities. Thanks, Santa, and I'll pass. And thank you, Lydia S. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose remind us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 73, the first paragraph beginning with, more than most people, the alcoholic leads a double life. Through two paragraphs ending, he is under constant fear and tension that makes for more drinking, and comments will be focused on both paragraphs. 
I will now ask Carrie P. to begin reading. Good morning, Santa. Good morning, all. This is Carrie P., a recovered compulsive overeater. More than most people, the alcoholic leads a double life. He is very much the actor. To the outer world, he presents his stage character. This is the one he likes his fellows to see. He wants to enjoy a certain reputation, but knows in his heart he doesn't deserve it. The inconsistency is made worse by the things he does on its sprees. Coming to his senses, he is revolted at certain episodes he vaguely remembers. These memories are a nightmare. He trembles to think someone might have observed him. As fast as he can, he pushes these memories far inside himself. He hopes they will never see the light of day. He is under constant fear and tension and makes that makes for more drinking. Good morning, Carrie Pia, recovered compulsive over a year. Okay, this this for me, you know, as I come to my senses and I'm I'm revolted by the episodes I vaguely remember, those are a lot of the things that appeared in my fifth step and um you know, I found it very nauseating to look at the things I had done and Today, in recovery and working with God in my life, I've got to tell you, as I don't practice my people-pleasing and do you like me now and the behaviors that I did to try and cover up who I was, a lot of people are getting upset with me. <laughs> I I spent a lot of time, well, not a lot of time, but I was at a party over the weekend, and I said something where I cleared the deck. And I went to my sister-in-law, and I apologized for what I had done. And, you know, she said, you're lucky one of my kids wasn't there because one of her kids could have would have agreed with me. You know, I, I should have stayed off the topic I was in. And then yesterday morning, I, I was in a meeting where there was a predator all over some 20-year-old girl. And I put my arm around the girl and I walked her away from the predator and the girl's father attacked me for that. And I know I'm doing the right thing because I'm walking with God. But it doesn't mean I make everyone happy. You know, in my previous life when I would turn a blind eye to what I knew I was seeing, you know, did I make nice? I guess I did. But, you know, today, you know, walking with my higher power and doing the right thing, you know, I live comfortably in my own skin, and that's all for me today. Thank you. And thank you, Carrie P. And who would like to comment for approximately three minutes on what was read? Kim G. Hi, I'm Lindsay. I would like to share, please. Not M. Melissa C. Matt M. CBB. Okay, I'm just I'm just writing down names. I'm 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 hearing you all. Okay, this is who I heard. I heard Kim G. Carolyn, I didn't get the initial of your last name. Matt M. Irene and Melissa C. Did I miss anyone? I think you missed me, Lindsay. Lindsay. And what was the other name? CBB. It says CB? CB. 
Phoebe. Oh, Phoebe. Okay. This is who I have. I have Kim G, Carolyn, Mad M, Irene, Melissa C, Lindsay, and Phoebe. Good morning, Kim G. Good morning, Santa. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. I, I love these two paragraphs. You know, I really zone in on the warnings. These are some big warnings in here of what happens if we, you know, this double life. You know, this is a design for living. What are my consequences if this is only my design for the one hour I'm in a meeting a day? What if this is my design for living only with uh, only when I'm with people who are in Overeaters Anonymous? That's the double life. You know, we just came out of step four where we're asked to create these ideals. So what if we don't work towards these ideals? What if we, we try to put one face out, um, you know, to the public and one face inside? I often find this with people in the rooms. We come into the rooms and we can quote page and verse and we talk about, you know, basically act like Moses and then we go out into the world and we create havoc. You know, the, I love the word, the inconsistency is made worse by the things he does on his sprees. And as a recovered woman, someone who's not in the food, the way that I look at sprees is, what about the sprees of anger, the sprees of fear, jealousy, judgmentalism? My, I, cannot, I cannot live that way. That the way that I live today has to be in congruency with my higher power. And that inconsistency of trying to live two different ways is going to take me down. And how is that going to happen? That last sentence, he is under constant, constant fear and tension. Because I'm going to be found out. I lived my life thinking, I think I'm a piece of crap, but if I can make you think I'm okay, I'm going to be all right. And I've done that in Overeaters Anonymous, dying in untreated alcoholism while I'm being your intergroup chair and your region representative. And my brain is absolutely insane. So I often use these couple paragraphs as part of my step 11. People who call me who've been through the steps and are feeling restless, irritable, and discontent. Let's look at these two paragraphs. Is the problem you're living a double life? Is the problem you're going on sprees that have nothing to do with food and recognizing you're under constant fear and tension because you're not making 10-11 a part of your active life? And I just want to bring this back to page 25, and I'll end with this. That on page 25, the great fact is just this and nothing less, that we've had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized our whole attitude towards life, towards our fellows, and towards God's universe. And that, that definition of revolution is a violent overturning of one government for another. These steps are going to radically change who we are. The government that I'm talking about is Kim, my own self-will. And that has to be overtaken with something greater than myself, where I align myself with a power that greater, greater than myself. And that is going to be a revolution. And if I don't change my way of living, my brain is going to default back and I'm going to be in sprees of anger and fear and resentment, which will eventually lead me to sprees in the food. And if I live in constant fear and tension, it's going to be more eating. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Kim G. And good morning, Carolyn. Carolyn, if you're speaking, we don't hear you. Okay, then we move on to Matt M. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Santa. Thank you for your service. Good morning, television. My name is Matt M. 
I'm a compulsive overeater from New Jersey. Yeah, um, I really related to this this reading about talking about how um, we each have our own set of um, values and how we each have our own where we want to present ourselves to the world and a certain reputation that I thought I had. I was still enjoying the food. I'm struggling with the food. I'm not, um, but I'm not like binging like I was. And the fact that I'm getting fed every day, like my friend who makes my meals for me, I'm not getting weight, but my insanity is still there. I used to convince myself, I've been in the room about eight or nine years now, since 2007. And I tried to convince myself that my way was the right way. And you know what? That just kept me in the food for over 600 pounds. And I was telling people, I was asking, looking, I'm working on myself, blah, blah. I was even sponsoring, and then I, and I went to relapse, and I was still sponsoring people. So I wanted to have this reputation that I was Mr. Mr. OA, that everybody I called would realize, recognize my wonderful recovery and want to emulate me. You know, but in the back of my mind, I knew this was something I did not deserve, this kind of reputation. You know, and I used people in the rooms to try to get what I wanted, money, food, or other things. So that really wasn't the way, that's not really who I am. I, I allowed the disease, because I have to be responsible. It's not the disease, it's my own actions that prevented me from getting recovered. I'm still not recovered yet, but I'm working on a day, one day at a time, and I'm making the phone calls and doing everything I need to do for myself. But it's not, easy, it's not an easy road, you know. I'm like a lot of people in the rooms. I'm a hardcore stage four cancer compulsive overeater. I will do anything I can to get that food when I'm in the food, you know. And uh, I'm just recognizing that the whole Dr. and Jekyll mentality has to be damaged and destroyed completely for me to be able to get recovered. And um, yesterday was a good day. Saturday was a good day. And today's going to be a good day, too. I refuse to go into my day program today and borrow money from people or get food that's not mine. But I'm also going to be more gentle to myself because I do beat myself up. I'm my own worst critic. I know a lot of, a lot of people can relate to that. I'm, I, I uh, self-flagellate myself when I'm the one I'm alone or I get so pent up with anxiety because I'm, uh, I'm tired of being this way. So I'm just grateful that, you know, the big book is here and I can call anybody for support and also pray to my higher power any day of the week. So with that, I will pass. Thank you. And thank you, Matt M. And another call out for Carolyn. Okay, perhaps I misunderstood. Okay, we move on. Melissa C. Good morning. Hi. Good morning, Santa. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C. A recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And um, you know, this is like. There's been two me's for so long, um, you know, and um, the first thing, of course, that comes to mind um, is the food and the binging, because uh, I could always put together um, a beautiful, balanced, healthy-looking diet in front of other people, um, but the way that I ate, um, you know, there was another me, and you know, that meant... Um, Hiding, you know, I ate in the closet, you know, with the lights out, um, standing in front of the refrigerator, crumbs on the floor, um, and yet people would say things like, "My God, you eat so healthy," you know, um, and really what they were saying was, "How in the world are you so heavy um, when you when I never see you eat?" Um, even my family members never saw me eat, you know. And so that was like the first level of recovery, getting 100% abstinent, eating the same way in private when nobody's in the house as I do when everybody's in the house. That's like the first level. But the second level is um, being authentically myself, that um, I'm, you know, I've been a really good people pleaser. I've learned really young. Um, Put a smile on your face, put some lipstick on, no one wants to see your garbage. Um, 
And so I was always trying to anticipate what other people want from me um, so that I could give it to them. And that's controlling. You know, that's believing that I can control how people think of me, how people react to me based on me giving them um, what I believe that they want. You know, and I don't even think I really listen to people. I think I thought I was somehow a psychic. You know, like I was, I knew what other people wanted from me. Um, and so, you know, this program is about um, coming completely in alignment, melting those two pieces of me together, you know, being authentically me. And, um, you know, someone said something to me over the weekend that was just probably one of the nicest compliments. They said, your words are matching the way you look. And, um, and that's just a beautiful thing that I could appear um, on the outside and, and be the same person on the inside. Thank you. That I'll have. And thank you, Melissa C. And good morning, Lindsay. Lindsay, if you're can you hear speaking. me now? I sure can. Good morning. Oh, great. Thank you for your service. This is Lindsay F. from upstate New York. And um, I just wanted to say good morning. And then um, when I thought of the, when I heard the passage about kind of the double life, you know, I, I don't have, like, alcoholic blackout, but I certainly, did, before programs, didn't know how to face my fears and, um, and my behavior, and it caused a lot of havoc in relationships because, and in my life because I couldn't deal with things or learn from things. And um, I, I'm coming off of a weekend that was incredibly wonderful in most ways, and one or two glitches that I need to address. And those are the kind of things now that I can be honest with myself that um, both the positives and the negatives. And I'm just, I'm just grateful for that. Um, and I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Lindy F. And good morning to Phoebe. Good morning, Santa. Thank you for your service this morning, and it is such a treat to be able to be on this meeting live today. It's been many months since that's been able to happen. So um, I'm I'm compulsive overeater calling from Vermont, and these pages are so moving for me, and as we move into the next chapter as well, as I reflect on um, the inventory that I've done and the awareness that that has brought me of the double life that I led and how um, I thought one way, thought I was doing something one way and how I came across was quite different, wreaking havoc. And I can particularly speak to that in terms of my family and it's taken a number of years um, after doing amends with um, my family, my brothers, uh, to heal um, what happened a number of years ago as my mom declined into Alzheimer's. I thought I was being virtuous. I thought I was being um, the person who could um, direct, you know, and we get into the director in a little while, 
um, what was happening for my mom's benefit, but in in the process, I trampled on other people. And so this thought of being virtuous in arranging things for my mom, which were positive for her, but not for my brothers. And uh, so as a result of this program and as a result of moving through the steps in this program, I have learned and continue to learn how to look at my motives, look at my part, and look at what, how can I be the best me that God intends me to be. And God intends me to live a calm and balanced life. And God intends me to be in alignment with other people and um, listening to them and um, honoring their wishes and being real careful before I open my mouth. And that's because of this program. It's absolutely because of this program, and it happens over and over and over again. And when I do my gratitudes at night, oftentimes one of my gratitudes is willingness, certainly willingness to be abstinent, but also willing to be um, listening to that inner resource as it talks about in the spiritual experience. So thank you so much for your service. And grateful, as I said this morning, to be able to be live on this meeting. And I'll pass now and listen to um, what my other fellows have to say. Thank you. And thank you, Phoebe. And who else would like to comment on what was read? So that's Naomi B. Could I share? <clears throat> you sure can. Go right ahead, Naomi. Thank you. Thank you, Santa. Thank Alexis you, H. Oh. Uh, Naomi, just one moment. Let me get the rest sure, of Sure, not a problem. Uh huh. Okay, I heard Alexis H. Bassa O. Nancy Ara. Nancy. Leah. Where are we in the book? Okay, you're just joining us. We are on page 73, and we're commenting on the first. Full paragraph two, two paragraphs, who begins with more than most people. Hi, Shawnee. Anyone else? Bye, Sean. Love you, honey. Have a wonderful day. You too. Yeah. That one is not muted. And bring a friend, okay? Okay. Love you. Okay, this is who I have. I have Naomi B, Alexis H, Vasa O, Nancy R, and Leah M. Did I miss anyone? All righty. Good morning to you, Naomi. Good morning, Santa. Good morning, my fellow visionaries. Well, the, oh, gosh. I was really, yeah, I was really fooling the world. What a joke. At 280 pounds. Oh, that was a, yeah, people would have to be blind, God forbid, to not to see what I was doing. He wants to enjoy a certain reputation, but knows in his heart he doesn't deserve it. He trembles to think that someone might have observed him. Well, who was I kidding when I would go to parties and load up these plates 
with huge, huge amount of food. And being my size and carry the Yeah, you know I I was the one I was the one that the joke was on me. Because I I just figured, you know, I I was there and I needed my fix and nothing or no one else counted. It is so different today. Perfect example, this yesterday. Saturday, I'm sorry, Saturday, we went to a party, and I had my lunch, and we went to the party, it was like one thirty, two o'clock in the afternoon, there was, uh, there was enough food to sink maybe two ships, and, you know, I sat there with a bottle of water in my hand, visiting with the family and the friends, and it was so freeing, everybody was eating around. I didn't even have any inkling that, oh, poor me, I can't eat this. This program has so transformed my life. Living living in these steps. Yes, I had some words with my husband later in the day. We have a little problem with his driving. and um, But I made amends, and I apologized, because this is what this program is teaching me. And I truly am happy, joyous, and free. And I am a free woman. I can come and go. doesn't matter where the food is, what the food is. If it's not my food, it is not my food. And um, thank you so much for allowing me to share, and I pass. And thank you, Naomi B. And good morning, Alexis H. Hi, can you hear me? I sure can. Good morning, you. Uh, this is Alexis H., a recovered compulsive eater in upstate New York. And... Um, I guess what came to mind was that this, these paragraphs are, you know, right after the fifth step, and I definitely had, you know, I can identify with this experience of a double life. Um, you know, I grew up in a family where it was, uh, like, Southern etiquette was important, and kind of having a certain face that you presented to the outside world was really, really valued, and... um I also have recovery in another 12-step program. So there was a period where it was like I still had recovery in that program and I worked through the steps, but then my food behaviors got really bad. So I can identify with this experience of having like the double life of of going home and, and um, you know, going to food to deal with things instead of going to my higher power. And I think a, a lot of what has brought me relief with this is getting honest with somebody. So the fifth step, because I had this shame about, you know, what I was hiding. And uh, the fifth step allowed me to shine a light on all the stuff that I was ashamed about and to get honest with somebody else and to look at this person and have this, this person say, you know, oh, well, me too, or I've had this experience, or, you know, I've never heard anything, or I've heard stuff along those lines before too. So I just felt kind of understood. And since then... What has been important is to, you know, keep doing step 10 with my sponsor. Um, And it's important that I do it just like with one person because there was also a period in my recovery where I was like kind of sample who I went to, who I like revealed different parts of myself to. So to be able to get accountable to one person, to let them get to know me has really helped me grow a lot more. And so this one sponsor, you know, it's like I – I call it with 10 steps and open up when I've got that conflict again and 
when something isn't quite going right and she helps me to see the truth and to make amends when I need to and just to, um, to keep kind of growing my relationship with my higher power. So I think that's all I have. Thank you for listening, and I pass. And thank you, Alessic H. And good morning, Vasa O. Vasa, if you're speaking, we don't hear you. I'm sorry. I was muted, Santa. Thank you. And again, thank you for your service. And I'm grateful. Recovered Compulsive Vita calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. And he is very much the actor to the outside world, presents his stage character. This is the one he likes his fellows to see. And uh, wow, I've learned so much you know, coming in the program and going through the 12 steps. I did know how much of an actor I was. I mean, I would be, uh, you, I, was, I would be anyone you wanted me to be. Just twist me around, you know. And, you know, again, I grew up in a person and I got what I got out there that was passed down to them and, you know, hopefully, you know, to God that stopped those behaviors uh, as I've been uh, working through this 12 steps. Um, but it makes me really, it makes me like sick when I think of the time. Uh, it makes me sick to my stomach, stomach, how I felt and behaved. I spend so much time um, and energy on what people wanted from me or what, what, or what they thought about me. And then, again, oh, what I was doing with the food, you know, and they all knew, you know, but I would try to sneak it, you know. And uh, it's just amazing that I don't have to run to the food for the comfort anymore. Uh, it's amazing how um, um, looking good was really important for me, the vanity, you know, I was so obsessed, you know, with my body you know, trying to to have this perfect image, perfect body. And it, the double life for me is, you know, acting out there in the world differently than being at home with myself and my own children. And uh, I'm just so grateful that I'm not there. The healing has happened to me from my higher power, you know, going to my higher power and working the 12 steps. So I don't have to run to the food for comfort, and I don't run, have to run to food to, of people to make me feel good. I run and pray to my power, the guidance, the strength, the wisdom, the courage to go and take one day at a time and to have the honesty today and be my own person. Thank you, and I pass. And thank you, Vasa O. And good morning, Nancy R. Hi, good morning, Santa. I am Nancy R. I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive reader. I am so grateful to my higher power uh, for the insight, for leading me to Overeaters Anonymous many years ago. I'm just so grateful. Uh, the insight that I received, I never could have gotten in years of therapy. I did. I was raised to be a people pleaser. And it's interesting. I look at my siblings they didn't seem to take the message to heart like I did. But my whole life was uh, geared around making my father particularly uh, proud of me and not doing anything to 
banished that name. And 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 many of my dis most of my decisions then uh, were uh came from that vantage point, which which means I became uh I became a a people pleaser to the nth degree. And it's a character defect that still plagues me sometimes. Uh this this program is teaching me to pause before I say yes. I said yes to things that I really didn't want to do, but I felt it was my duty to do it because of the gifts and talents my higher power has given me. I'm not the savior of the world, and if people are unhappy because I say no, that's not my problem. And I'm just, I mean, after all the years in program, uh, I still find myself sometimes reverting to that old people-pleasing behavior, but today I have a new set of skills and today, if it's something I really don't want to do, I can pause. And if I make the mistake of saying yes and I really don't want to do it, I can go back and say, you know, uh, I'm sorry, I have to rescind my, uh, I have to rescind my yes. I'm not able to do that. And it's the world doesn't stop because I guess what I've discovered, I'm not the center of the universe. People are really not that concerned about me. Uh, these insights have come as a result of this wonderful program. If I was in the food, I would be on that treadmill of yes, 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 yes. Uh, today, this program is teaching me to seek, to seek out what is God's will for me. Does God, you know, does my high power need me to do that? Does my high power want me to do that? What are your motivations in doing these things, saying yes to something you really don't want to do? So thank you for letting me share, and uh, I'll keep coming back. There's no other place I can go, and guess what? There's no other place I want to go to. Thank you for letting me share. And thank you, Nancy R. And good morning, Leah M. Good morning. Thank you so much, Santa, for your service. He is under constant fear and tension that makes for more drinking. Um. Yes, I mean, I, I certainly, uh, you know, it brings to mind the language um, further in the text, you know, where it talks about uh, waking up to the hideous four horsemen, terror, bewilderment, frustration, and despair. Because there is, you know, as the disease progressed, um, you know, I wasn't uh, eating for, binging for fun. You know, I was binging out of necessity because of this anxious apartness that I felt um, by living these, uh, you know, in these two worlds, and I was tortured by that loneliness. Um, and even when the food was down, and there were periods when the food was down, it wasn't me versus the food, it was me versus me in those instances. That's why abstinence alone is never sufficient for a spiritual malady like I have. Uh, you know, it's like putting a you know, a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. The, the treatment isn't sufficient for the condition. And even despite years of involvement with psychology, and we find this in the rooms, you know, people come and despite years of involvement with psychology, with religion, with therapy, with self-help, those methods, although useful in many ways, we don't see the defects, those old ideas and attitudes that dominate self, that separate us, uh, and, and uh, you know, prevent us from living in harmony. The 12 steps 
allows for this congruency to occur where we have this spiritual awakening and it begins with the process of these action steps, particularly uh, step five is one in which we begin to feel in harmony and in kinship with man and with God. We begin to get congruent and there begins to be this personality shift. And of course, as we move through the steps, there's a profound personality change where a person goes from being frightened, negative, angry, resentful, cynical person whose view of the world is one of great turmoil and trouble and anxiousness and apartness. And through this transformation, we're transformed into a positive person whose view of the world is positive and bright and happy and joyful. And you know what? Nothing in their life perhaps has changed. They may still be divorced. They may still have some health issues. They may still be unemployed. And yet there's a harmony because the program means that we begin to live at the center of our being, that profound center that we find through these steps. And we are able to live out of the depths of our, of our being because it's in those depths where we find our higher power. And it becomes a, a very calming, peaceful uh, existence, a life of peace, harmony, and freedom. And with that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Leah M. And I'm going to take a moment and share on this, these two paragraphs, and then we're going to move on to the next. Again, my name is Santa H., a grateful recovered compulsive overeater for today and living in a solution one day at a time and so grateful for that. And as I sit here and listen to the shares and reflect back on my experience with these two paragraphs, I have to say I'm so incredibly grateful that I'm not here. I'm not in this paragraph today where I was when I first started and how much I have grown. Um, Because for me, um, today is all about being my authentic self. And it's about really relying on my intuitive nature to lead and guide my steps. And this whole idea about enjoying a certain reputation, boy, did I waste a lot of energy doing that. And today I find that I have more energy um, just being humble and being myself. And this constant fear and tension, yeah, I waste a lot of energy in that. And I'm so grateful that today I live a life of wholeness and peacefulness. Um, I just, I was just was thinking, um, you know, last week, which happens to everybody, this is part of life, we had, a, we had someone to die in our family, and so I was over with my family, and um, we called my aunt um, Tangy, my mother, spicy in terms of their personalities, and so my mom got a little too spicy, and of course, my aunt got a little too tangy, and I realized, that oh, it's time for me to go. You know, so I know that no longer do I have to be phony, no longer do I have to pretend, no longer do I have to be around in an environment where I know that it's time for me not to be there. I don't, I don't no longer have to do that because I'm facing my feelings today. I'm accepting my feelings. And when I'm not centered at peace, I need to leave. And my cousin was there, and she's, like, wanting me to stay one more day. And I just said to her, I need my home. You know, I need to go home because that's where my peace and center and wholeness is. I need to get centered again. You know, and today is the funeral, and I had decided that I'm not even going and that I'm okay with that. And this is all this program has taught me is about being my authentic self, being honest and tuned to my higher power as to what is best for me, taking care of myself today so that I can take care of others. And with that, I pass. And we're going to move on to the next paragraph, and I will ask Chris, Chrissy G. 
If you would please read on page 73, the third paragraph, beginning with psychologists are inclined to agree with us, one paragraph only. Sure. I'd be happy to. It's Christy G., recovered compulsive overeater and anorexic from New Jersey. Psychologists are inclined to agree with us. We have spent thousands of dollars for examinations. We know but few instances where we have given these doctors a fair break. We have seldom told them the whole truth nor have we followed their advice. Unwilling to be honest with these sympathetic men, we, we were honest with no one else. Small wonder many in the medical profession have a low opinion of alcoholics and their chance for recovery. I am Chrissy G. Um, I was never honest with anyone. I wasn't honest with myself when I was active. I was in a lot of denial. Um, I, I went to meetings, um, when I was recovered in another program and act in active food addiction. And I shared about, you know, how wonderful my life was and my recovery was. And, and honestly, the double life that I was leading and the dishonesty that I was presenting to the group was not, didn't even, when, when, I, it's been my experience that when you're in the disease, when I'm in the disease, like really in the disease, there's a blindness to it. There's a real blindness to it. And that's the, that's the, the beauty of being in therapy or being honest with at least one person, your sponsor, or even someone to know you well enough to call you on your BS. I mean, that's, that's, that's been the biggest saving grace in this program for me. And, I mean, it, in my journey, never mind in the program, that I've been blessed to be in 12 steps since I'm in my 20s. So I learned this process of opening, revealing myself to people, and I've gotten increasingly better and more comfortable with it over time because as much as I would love to always be where, you know, where Sansa shared she was um, this past um, experience that she just had with her family. I'd love to always be there. Sometimes things are, are too painful. There's too much going on at once. And I retreat into my old coping mechanism, which is denial. And, you know, I don't know how I feel. I'm confused. I, I need to come away from the situation. I need to get with my therapist. I need to get with with my sponsor and my people who know me. You know, something's off. I'm not sure. Something's not quite right. I'm, you know, so so in terms of, like, really getting honest and being honest, I don't think it's something to feel like it's always duplicitous and it's always purposeful. I mean, there there are times when I just don't know that I'm not being honest with myself. So, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. And thank you, Chrissy G. And oh, who okay. was... oh, Larry. Larry. Nessa R. I heard Nessa. And one more name did I hear? Charles H. I got you, Charles. Are you the first one? I have Charles H., Larry King, and Nessa R. I thought I heard a fourth one. My mistake. Okay, good morning, Charles. 
good morning, Santa. Thank you for um you sound good up there as usual. Ain't nothing changed. Um Charles H a recovered compulsive overeater. Man, I love this part of the book. This is so dope where they just say, um, Doc small wonder I love the sarcasm. Small wonder um that many in the medical profession have a low opinion of alcoholics and their chances uh for recovery. This just reminds me, um this just reminds me of 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 me not getting rid of my yellow foods. <laughs> it reminds me of saying, this, this damn book don't work. Why the heck is OA using this book? You know why? You know why it didn't work for me? Because I wasn't honest. And and, 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 and let me tell you, even even going on, and I hit it from that point on, on Friday morning, I believe, even going on, even getting through, um, you know, getting through the 10th step and not going through the, not honestly telling you that, you know, things is killing me, right? You know, if I stop being honest, the point I'm trying to make is if I stop being honest, if I stop being Charles age, I'm doomed, man. All these feelings and resentments and fears that's coming up that I'm not willing to write down. Y'all love that lady yesterday with the, 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 the disclaimer. That was so real. What's her name again, Barbara? Yo, big up, Barbara. That was, you was just courageous with yours yesterday. I love it. And you was honest. And I know your doctor is like, yo, you know what? Your chances is good because you just, like, you laid it out, and I love that. You know, and, and, and most of us on here, we, we ain't got to put on a show. What you see is what you get. It reminds me of uh, uh, after the letter in the doctor's opinion, you may rely on anything they say. We ain't going to lie because this disease is beat the crap out of me, right? And um, I need to keep coming and being honest about my feelings, like, you know, mental illness ain't no joke. And I know, you know, for me, I know I have it because of what I allowed the food to do to me. But now when you see your family members have it and, and, and dealing with it ain't no joke. But I got, I, I, I think I'm too honest with my wife, man. Because I'd be like, honey, I, I think you need to get up and snap out of it or stuff like that. And I got to remember, I'm not a doctor. And I, I think I'd be hurting over the stuff. But thank God for that 10 step. But sometimes I think I'll be too gut wrenching honest. Because I, 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 I was a compulsive liar. I told you everything was all right. I used to go to the barbecues and the weddings and eat like a gentleman in front of y'all, but in the bathroom and around John's Corner, I was tearing, I was tearing it up. But I could be honest and go to these places now and be like, you know what? Y'all can have what y'all want. I'm not going to have it up in my face because I'm not. You know, even Superman can get crippled by kryptonite. So that's my that's me being honest. And I'm not telling you I'm no superhuman person, but I'm telling you that, you know, honestly speaking, I don't speak honestly, and thank God for that 10 steps so it can check me before I wreck me. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Charles H. And good morning, Larry K. <laughs> good morning, Santa. Thanks for your service. Um, Larry K. Recovered, compulsive reader. Um, yeah, unwilling to be honest. Um, yeah, it's a small wonder that uh, that the the many therapists and so forth that that I had seen over the years uh, probably my prospects were <laughs> let's just say my prospects for uh, a successful life were you know they, they weren't very very good um, because again we just got done talking about you know these paragraphs kind of pieced together is that incongruence. Um, you know, these little things that we hear in program, you know, these little truths, we're as sick as our secrets. 
well, I couldn't be very honest about my secrets. I felt, you know, my perception was skewed. I was seeing through perceptive lenses that were skewed. They seemed right for me at the time, but they were skewed and my life wasn't working very well. Did I need heroin in, in, in the form of my binge substances to cope through life? Of course I did. Of course I did, because the, this cancer of dishonesty and incongruence was eating me up. It was eating me alive. And I needed the food to get through the day. And you know what? It seemed like, uh, you know, picking up the food was a step up from where I was. You know, so um, unwilling to be honest. Yeah, it, you know, it's, it's you know, as Laic and others have talked about, it's, uh, this is a process. I'm not going to get recovered in the, in the fifth step. That wasn't a promise that I read. I don't know if you're reading a different book. I, 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 I thought I would start to feel better sort of exponentially as I was going through this. And sometimes I did. But see, it's the completion of this process, the sequential process of these steps that leads to a spiritual awakening. I don't know what it's going to be for you. I just know for me, it's, it's a, it continues to unfold. But it does, those promises of the spiritual awakening as we, you know, once we move through the work, you, you have a change. There's a change that happens. It did for me. I'm thinking it might happen for you as well, if it hasn't already. But it takes honesty because you're only kidding yourself. You know, if we're not willing to be honest, then, you know, I would wonder why am I not, why is my life not changing? You know, why is I, well, I'm feeling a little better now. I have ups and downs, uh, you know, walking, you know, being by me was like, you know, was like walking on eggshells. You never knew what you were going to get. I didn't know how I was going to feel from moment to moment. I'm much more predictable today in a very good way, in a calm way. So I'll just wrap up by saying, yes, uh, people in, 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 the, in the psychology profession, no, they, they, they don't have a very high opinion of people like me, you know, but, but I'll tell you what, today they have a better opinion of me. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks so much, Santa. And thank you, Larry Kay. And that's the R, and you have uh, one minute. Would you like to take a one-minute share? Oh, good morning. I'll, I'll, I'll make it very quick. This is Vanessa R. Recovered in Toronto, Canada. Um, I, I, throughout my life, I've been through so many forms of therapy, you know, like Orient therapy, cognitive behavioral, behavioral therapy, group therapy, just, just to name a few, and nothing worked. I mean, if they had worked, I, I obviously would not be here. And, you know, the reason they didn't work is because um, I just couldn't see my part in it. Um, I was either the victim at the mercy of everybody. So my life and the way I ate and what I did and how I reacted was always somebody else's fault. Or um, I was on a holier-than-thou, quote-unquote, altruistic pursuit of how can this not be God's will? And under those uh, premises, I bulldozed my way through uh, other people's lives, uh, at work, at home, friends. I always knew it was better uh, for everybody else, um, even though my life was a mess, my body was a mess, the way I ate was a mess, everything was a mess. Um, and my refusal to, to see the truth uh, which I'm, I'm pretty sure the therapist probably tried to point it out many times, um, you know, was what prevented me from um, doing things differently. Now, thank God, um, and, you know, through the recovery brought about by the 12 steps, 
I don't need to act that way anymore. You know, I, I realize God doesn't need my help. He doesn't need my input. He can run the world as he sees fit. I don't need to go through life trying to manage anything or anyone. I just need to focus on what uh, role God has assigned to me. And when I do that, life is so much more peaceful and so uh, much uh, smoother than when I was trying to coerce everything and everyone into fitting into my little plans and designs. It's such a much better way of living. And um, I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Nessa R. And thank you to everyone who shared today. Thank you so much. And please join us for the second unrecorded hour study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Death W. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning. This is Deb W. <coughs> recovered in Oklahoma. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something that you haven't uh, got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.